Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today for our holiday intrigue extravaganza. Extravaganza. <laughs> We have like our little dream team here. We have author Katie Richards and author Denise N. Wheatley. Welcome back, ladies, and thank you for being here together with us to hang out. <laughs> thank you for having us. <laughs> How has life been since we've talked to both of you? Katie, it's been a long, long time since we spoke mm -hmm. to you. And Denise, it's been a couple oh, of months. It's April. <laughs> yes. <laughs> So how have you both been? I mean, y'all both have releases out. How are y'all? How are y'all doing? Things have been great. Two more books have come out since we we talked last. So been busy, lots of work, lots of deadlines, and uh, but um, things have been going pretty well. I'm with KD. Things have been insane. I've had some new releases come out, and I'm exhausted. I'm really sleepy. Um, <laughs> lots of deadlines, lots of editing. I'm still in the throes of editing right now, but I will not complain because I remember a time where I wanted to be where I am now mm -hmm. so i'm excited about all the new releases so. you posted a photo mm -hmm. on instagram i think one day and you were like this is me after like two edits and just sent in a book yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's the lifestyle of the writer right <laughs> so sleepy, so sleepy <laughs> late nights writing editing oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. the perfect word to fit in the sentence is, yeah. you know. <laughs> don't, don't forget crying yeah that. that too, that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so after the book is out do you feel like life slows down a little bit or is it just a different kind of hustle because now it's i gotta talk about the book and get on to the next one yeah <laughs> i think it's a different type of hustle oftentimes i think with both kd and myself you're on to the next project. Yeah. The next proposal is due. The next book is due because I think we both juggle multiple books in our contracts. So yeah. unfortunately, we don't really get a break, maybe a week or two, but otherwise, mm -hmm. It's, you know, back to the grind. So. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I totally, I totally agree. You know, it's, it's always that push, push, pull. You, you want the multi-book contract, <laughs> but you have a multi-book contract. So there's another yeah. deadline. Always, yeah. always looming. So. Yeah. And then there's the promotion too. Yeah, yeah. And that really is tiring for me. It's not my natural <laughs> it's, it's, it's natural habitat to to promote for, for, for me at least. That's exhausting. Do you feel like with ebooks have changed things because now we'll always have access to the book. But with your Harlequin title specifically, do you feel like I have a really short time to do this as far as the time on the actual shelf goes? Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was just thinking, um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was thinking earlier today because my mom was telling me about her friends who have picked up the book and they're a little older and so they don't have Kindles. <laughs> you know, if I, if I don't get them uh, while the book is still on the shelf, you know, they're not inclined to go ask for it or to look it up on Amazon and have it sent, right? It's the, if they mm -hmm. can't go to Barnes and Noble and pick it up, they're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. So um, there is that push for a, a, at least a certain segment of people who you know are probably just going to totally forget about you if they don't see you on the shelf yeah, um, yeah. so yeah there's i definitely push more push real hard really really hard <laughs> during, during the month that the book's on the shelf and i think a good thing about social media is that you really don't have to stop the push pushing in the beginning is important but we still get that grace of continuing to promote even our backlist we can keep promoting and then luckily we have online stores too where the books can still be ordered but yes that shelf life is there is a little bit of pressure there because you know it won't it won't be there too long so mm -hmm. yeah and I think, like you said, there's Sarah and I talk about this all the time. There are readers that still, I mean, not everybody has a Kindle right. or a Nook or whatever. So, I mean, they are going to Walmart mm -hmm. or Barnes and Noble, you know, depending on where you are to get them. Share with us your great Santa Claus reveal story. How did you learn who was really bringing your gifts each year? <laughs> I was told by around, I think I was in a first sec or second grade by the guy who lived down the street, whose who's older brother, his brother was in middle school, we were in about second grade, his older brother burst his bubble, and I guess he figured, I'm not going to be the only one. <laughs> so he, he came to school and told us all, you know, set it up and real, it's your parents. So I went home. Second grade? Yeah. Really? Oh, I asked my mom. I, I will out who it is, but, you know. <laughs> Santa Claus is real. Is that true? <laughs> you kind of see it on her face like. 
So what I was told by my father, I think I was in either third or fourth grade. My mom didn't want him to say anything, but um, he told, I think he just wanted the credit. He was tired of giving the credit <laughs> to this non-existent being. So he decided, yeah. you know what? I'm putting in all this hard work. So let me tell my kids I'm the one. <laughs> And I remember I was really disappointed because, you know, you imagine that the fat Santa coming down the Chris, the chimney and all that, you think it's true. So that was disappointing. And I knew some gifts came from my parents, but I really believe some came from Santa. So mm-hmm. my father's like, no, they all came from us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He ruined that. Oh, Dad. <laughs> I mean, now that you're, now that we're older, do you feel like, I guess it's so hard because you don't want your kid to be the kid that ruins it for other kids. But kind of like you said, you are like, if you are the parent, you are putting in all this hard work and Mm -hmm. saving up money throughout the year and kind of getting the clues as to what they want. And it's like, why am I letting somebody else have the credit? So do you think it's something that kids should believe in? anymore? Well, I think if you split it up, you can say, you know, some some of these did come from Santa, but mm-hmm. you know, we put in a little bit of work and you know, dad and I got some of these gifts too. Mm-hmm. I think that's fair. That's, yeah. that's fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we've done the same thing in our house. There's some that specifically say from mom and dad and then some that say from Santa, but um, mm-hmm. my, my oldest son probably would have believed forever. He's 11 now. So he's, you know, <laughs> he probably would have believed forever. My youngest son is, is sort of, he's a question asker anyway. So he never really believed. He was like, well, a man comes down the chimney. That's, that's yeah. he get to everybody. So like even in telling the story, I, I couldn't even get him to believe it. <laughs> so he's like, no, nah, you know, I don't know what you talking about, but. Yeah. <laughs> That I was telling yeah. Sarah, I was like, I think with, with my sister and me, my my mom just finally, we had like the Denise situation. She was like, look, let me tell you who's <laughs> really been bringing these presents. But with mm-hmm. my brother, she just really had this fear of some kid having mm-hmm. a KD situation where like he was getting a little too old and she's like, I don't want him to be embarrassed at school. So let me just t- tell him like, you yeah. know, and he was heartbroken y'all. Like yeah. he was really messed. <laughs> yeah. I said, I was telling Brie that mine was my best friend and I were talking. Uh, it's probably in fourth or fifth grade. And I said, she, we were talking about Christmas. She said, yeah. And I came down and unwrapped the present from Santa. I'm like, Santa wraps your presents. Cause our big gift was always from Santa. Like whether it be the bike or the dollhouse or what have you. And it was unwrapped under the tree. And I remember going home saying to mom, why is Santa lazy at our house? Like, why is he not around? <laughs> and then I think I figured it out. <laughs> well, it's a big present, so it's kind of awkward. It could be awkward to wrap. And that right? Excuse, right? Who wraps a bike? That's kind of weird. And how do you do right. it? And I guess my mom and dad's thing was is that, you know, we'd come downstairs before they would so that we could look at, you know, we couldn't do anything else. We could look at that in our stockings and that was it, right? Was there ever a gift you asked for and never received? Yes. For me, it was my Barbie dream house. <gasps> yeah, I'm still waiting on my Barbie dream house. <laughs> I got the pink car and I never got the dream house. I got, I got the Corvette. Yes, I, I had the Corvette. Yeah. I had the trailer. I didn't get my dream house. And I, mean, I don't know if you all remember, I'm going to date myself here. The JCPenney catalog, yeah. and you turn to the back and all the toys, and I would just stare and try. At that young age, I knew how to manifest. I was trying <laughs> to manifest my dream house, and I never, and I still don't have one. And I, I still, I would, I would accept a dream house if somebody bought it for me. Today. <laughs> Listeners, we're gonna yes, start up. Yeah. A GoFundMe. Yeah. Yes. GoFundMe. Oh. It's a barbecue. I'm gonna start a GoFundMe for my dream house. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> I I did. Well, I got two. What? But one I knew I wasn't gonna get. When I was 16, I asked for a Jeep Cherokee, and you know that was not gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I don't know if that really counts. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> I also asked for a. Um, I don't know if you remember the little red cash register and it had the, the little rolling yes. aisle mm-hmm. thing where you could roll the food. It would yeah, 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 yeah. I wanted that so bad and I never got it. <laughs> I, never, I still, like, just like Denise said, right? If somebody got it for me, I'd be playing with my little cash register right now. <laughs> cash so badly. You know what? I've always wanted to work at a grocery store just so I could like ring up the items yeah, and see them. Yes. There's something very exciting about that whole process. So as mm-hmm. a kid, I would just be obsessed 
with the cashiers watching them scan these items. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I loved it. I think a, a lot of kids have that idea because my, um, or want to, want to be a cashier. My friend's daughter uh, wanted to be a cashier and she was like six years old. And my friend said, fine, you, you know, you could be a cashier. Ask her where cashiers have to go to school in order to be a cashier. So I asked her, she said, cashiers have to go to Harvard. I love seeing them scan, but the yeah. bagging yeah. part, I'm like, I am so sorry. Cause I come at like six o'clock yeah. in the morning and get all of our groceries for a couple of weeks. And I know they're just like, here, this lady goes. <laughs> <laughs> What's been one of your favorite gifts you received? Okay, so I have two. One of them is absolutely ridiculous. So as a as a grown adult, my sister bought me a gag gift, and it was one of those brats doll styling heads. Okay. (laughs) And so you know the head that's on the platform with the makeup and the hair. Again, I was a grown woman, but she found it at the Goodwill for two dollars and bought it for me. Thought she bought me a 24 karat diamond ring. I was so in love with this Bratz doll. It was so cute. I love it. Like you got yeah, the dream house. Yeah. <laughs> True. So, so that was one of the really cute gag gifts that I got that I did absolutely love. And then a couple of years ago, I got a really nice laptop. And that mm-hmm. was when I just signed a couple of big contracts with, you know, there were a lot of books in line that needed to be written. So it it came right on time. So that was my adult sensible. (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Well, as a kid, my, the, the one I loved, I still have, it was uh, my Cabbage Patch doll. Oh yeah. (laughs) I'm so happy to get that doll. And, and it was just like right around when they had started making uh, the black ones. Mm -hmm. My dad, my dad searched all over the place (laughs) to get a black cabbage patch doll. So I I love that one. I still have that doll. And then as a a little older, uh, my mom got me this gorgeous mahogany um, jewelry box. I just love Mm -hmm. that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't sing or anything. It's, it's nothing. The only thing about it is that it's beautiful and my mom bought it for me, right? Yeah. It's not special in any other way, but it's, it's an adult piece. It's something, yeah. you know, that, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Oh, yeah. now I'm super nostalgic for Cabbage Patch dolls because I remember <laughs> mine. Her, she was Katie. Her name was I had Katie. six of them and I had them like the year that they were released. Yeah. My father worked downtown and he hunted down and found one. Little be known to him, my nan, my mom's mom did the same thing. So I got two the year that they came out. Yeah, because they were hard. It was like, they were hard. To, it was like the Tickle Me Elmos. Yeah, yeah. Parents were knocking each other over to get those yes. dolls. So to have yes. six is, you know, amazing. And I had I had a little black one too. I loved him. Yeah, I still have him. They His name's boys? Lance. I yeah, I had a little boy black one, and he was he he wears little black overalls with a teddy bear on them. Aww. And I named him Lance, Aww. and I used to take him all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> well, remember they came with birth certificates. I had one. His name his name was Dean. He was bald headed. <laughs> he was a little bald headed. He was a white boy. His name was Dean. <laughs> And I love him. I mean, I didn't care that I didn't have a girl with all yeah, that right? yarn hair. I had a ball. The yarn hair. hair. I, mean, yes. I have the yarn hair. Yeah. I have the yarn hair. And yeah. it's not like they yeah. did anything, but they were so special. I think yeah. the birth certificate was it's a nostalgic it thing. Yeah. yeah. The, the original ones, yeah. the, the old the the ones that came after, you could feed them and stuff, but it wasn't the same. Yeah, no. yeah. No. Yeah, I had one of those later ones that had the corn silk hair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like the yeah. I, I yeah, she was too fancy for me. I like the <laughs> who in your family is the toughest to do holiday shopping for my husband my husband is very very hard to shop for he doesn't know what he wants and then when he gets it he's like i'm not sure i want it (laughs) so so, you know he's 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 usually a gift certificate (laughs) kind of guy you know for me it's my sister uh, she has different interests every month, so I never know what the new thing is. And right now, she's very interested in crystals. So she has got a ton of crystals. I wouldn't even know where to start. She's got them all. So, like KD, she'll be getting a gift card from this year. I'm, I'm not shopping for crystals. 
examples. I'm just, I'm not doing it. I love them, but I'll get it wrong. She won't know the name of it all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. no, Are they just the crystals? Because I see a lot of people interested in these crystals and I find it yes. fascinating. But I, like you said, I have no mm -hmm. idea where to start. Do they just like hold them periodic? Like what does she do with them? Oh, she's deep into the whole world of crystals. She knows the names of them all. She knows the meanings. She knows how to cleanse them. She does hold them. She places them in certain okay. places in her condo to, to bring energy mm -hmm. to them. So she's really mm -hmm. into it, which is why I can't yeah, no. get involved. Because <laughs> I will let her have that and I will, you know, give her a gift card that she yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> get what they want, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, mm -hmm. What is your favorite holiday film? Mine is uh, Christmas Under Wraps with Candace Cameron Murray. Mm -hmm. It's a Hallmark movie. The one, I don't know if you all saw it. It's the one where she plays a doctor on her way to a residency. She doesn't get the residency that she wants and ends up in this small town in Alaska. She does that a lot in her movies. <laughs> she does, yeah. But it turns out that it might be the real Christmas town and Santa Claus might really live there. So it is, it's just a really cute, heartwarming movie. And then my adult movies, I love Just Friends with Ryan Reynolds and Bad Santa <laughs> yeah. with Billy love Bob. Bad Santa. Those are yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, you can watch those all yeah. year long. So yeah. those are fun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with the traditional. I love a Christmas story with Ralphie, and uh, <laughs> that I still watch that every year. You can't, you know, you can't really miss with that one. I love it. It's so much. Fun. I watched it for the first time in years last year, and when he gets his tongue stuck on that pole. I was like, that looks so painful. And it just hits different as an adult than it did as a right. kid. <laughs> I, and yeah. I love that. I, the the lamp, the leg lamp yeah. is my favorite part yeah. of that movie. And the whole drama with the parrot, that's the part that hits different for me as a, from a child to an adult. Because now, you know, you're you're grown, you're married, and you're like, you, there is something in your house if you're married that you and your husband have that relationship. <laughs> yeah. I don't care <laughs> Or you can just spouse have that relationship over. And so I'm like, yeah, I, get, I just give that one a yeah. totally different Because it was awful and she clearly did not like it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she did it on purpose, but I understand because it was awful. I, I'm not, you're never going to convince me she didn't break that apartment. <laughs> <laughs> we have a neighbor on our street. They have uh, a front bay window in the living room and they have it every year, the full size lamp. <laughs> And I'm like, either that's the most understanding wife or they have the best sense of humor. Right. <laughs> There's no way I let my husband do that. No. It's awful. It is the worst. It is the worst. What is your favorite holiday song? My favorite is uh, Give Love at Christmas, the Temptations version. Mm. I love that song. It's so beautiful. And of course, it's the Temptations. Mm -hmm. so who can argue of with course. that? Of yeah. course. <laughs> My favorite is uh, is This Christmas by Donny Hathaway. I love that song. So it's been redone and the remakes are good too, but I just love the original. Nobody sings it like yeah. Donny. Every time I hear a remake of uh, Last Christmas by Wham, I'm like, leave it alone. Alone. <laughs> <laughs> just stop. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I know Taylor Swift put out a Christmas, I mean, years ago, like a six track it was only out in Target, and she did that song, and I'm like, oh, sweetheart, what are you talking about? You don't know. <laughs> You're 12. <laughs> you both have a couple of very recent releases that we are very Yay. excited about. Katie, we have two new books in your West Investigation series, Missing at Christmas and Christmas Data Breach. And, Denise, you have Bayou Christmas Disappearance and Christmas in Full Bloom. So mm -hmm. can you share with our listeners what these books are about? Certainly. Um, well, Missing at Christmas is about a, um, a woman, Addie, who is looking for her sister. Her sister has disappeared. And she goes to the town where her sister is, is living and working. And she's searching for her sister and happens to run into a former flame who's there, um, Sean West, and uh, part of the West crew. And um, he's there on a different case. But um, as, as uh, the book progresses, they find out that the miss, her missing sister and his case overlap. And so they join forces to find, find the sister and uh, solve his case. Um, and then Christmas Data Breach is... Uh, 
stars Maya and Gideon, mm-hmm. and we've seen Gideon in the first two books. He's he's not a West brother, but he he works at West, and he's he's sort of a strong, silent type. That yes. <laughs> he's the other he's two a quiet force in line, a- <laughs> right? <laughs> you know. Um, and we find out more of his story that he he had formerly been married, and his his uh, ex wife is is a super smart cancer researcher mm-hmm. who's um, been it, being targeted uh, as a result of her research. And he, of course, being Gideon, jumps in to to protect her and help her uh, figure out who's who's after her and and um, keep her safe. And of course, they fall in love again. <laughs> well, they were actually never out of love, but. <laughs> Yeah. decide to give their relationship a chance again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, my Harlequin Intrigue novel, Bayou Christmas Disappearance, is about an investigative journalist. Her name is Mona. And right before the holidays are set to begin, she finds out that her best friend has gone missing. So she travels to their small town where Olivia, who's a missing person, still resides. It's called Lake Laundry, Louisiana, and gets in on the investigation to figure out what happened to her friend. And she takes her camera crew with her because she figures, hey, I might as well broadcast this and see if someone knows something. Well, when she arrives in town, our detective, Dylan Reed, does not want to be bothered with her. So, uh, Dylan is new to town. He is originally from Baton Rouge, where he was working for the police department, and he is exhausted. Uh, he has uh, been burnt out from all the high crime, so he came to Lake Laundry hoping to kind of kick back, kick back and get a little bit of a rest, but that doesn't happen when this case falls in his lap. He and Mona end up bumping heads. It becomes about the two of them figuring out how to work together in order to solve the case. So, and figure out what happened to Olivia in the process. And then uh, Christmas in Full Bloom is my sweet romance with Thule Publishing. That one is about a floral designer named Lauren who uh, goes home for the holidays for her sister's holiday wedding. And while she's there, she reconnects with an old friend named Mel, who's a family doctor. And they never dated, but there was always an attraction. So when the sparks start to fly, they have to figure out, is something here? Can we make this work? What about the distance? What about our jobs? So they kind of work through that and all the twists and turns to go along with the with reconnecting with someone from the past. And you have to see what happens with their budding romance. So we're, for both of you, were y'all writing these I'm imagining not necessarily at the same time, but they're coming out like back to back. So how did you manage writing these? I I actually didn't write that. I wrote them back to back, but not at the same time. Um, Okay. Missing at Christmas, I finished last year, right after I wrote Pursuit of the Truth. And then um, actually, so both Pursuit of the Truth and Missing at Christmas together. (laughs) So then wrote Christmas Data Breach. So Harlequin just kind of held those two Mm -hmm. and and put them out at the same time. Okay. Okay. So is Gideon's the last book in the West Investigations? Oh, okay. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> We're gonna keep building on West. It, 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 there'll be some um, some ch- not changes, but new characters and 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 not sticking um, necessarily just just in New York. So we'll move them around and expand their world, but um, yeah. it's all of a piece of the West investigation. Okay, awesome. Okay. So I actually wrote Christmas in Full Bloom last year, and then it ended up coming out this year. And then I wrote Bayou Christmas Disappearance this year. So I didn't write those two at the same time, which is a good thing because, you know, it's hard to jump from that sweet romance to that thriller. And, you know, I don't want to start saying the wrong thing and putting forensic science in the sweet story set in Maple Valley, Michigan. So how would you both blurb your own recent Harlequin intrigues? I actually wrote one okay. down. Katie, I can go first. Think about it. <laughs> I wrote one in the spirit. I don't know if you all remember how those old school blurbs used to read that are like the newscast when they, you know, blurb like a headline. I miss those. So I wrote I wrote a little blurb based on that that whole little uh, style. And mine reads. What happens when a no-nonsense investigative journalist teams up with a hard-nosed detective in small-town Louisiana to solve a high-profile missing persons case? Find out when you read Denise N. Wheatley's latest thriller, Bayou Christmas Disappearance. I love it. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. Maybe they are, they're so hard to write. They're so hard to sum up a book in that little space yeah mm-hmm. no it really is yeah and then you have to do it in a way that's sort of marketing and i'm not very 
yeah no that's not where you're yeah and that's fair um, that's fair i'm gonna steal i'm gonna steal with denise's form so uh let's see what happens when uh, a former married couple are thrown together to in the quest for scientific research and to save the life of the woman he loves oh i like Horrible, it, we but... love it. <laughs> that's, that's it's right. perfect it's perfect <laughs> and i'm sorry i've got the book sitting beside me and the cover just sells it as far as i'm yeah. concerned <laughs> Can I just blurb it and say, read it for the cover alone? Pretty much. <laughs> and I love the second cover too, because it has both the, ma- the yes. male and the female. Yes. It's just mysterious yes. and they're gorgeous and Christmassy. It's yeah. perfect. Gorgeous. Yeah, I love them. And the covers are really that. good. So one of the things that truly stands out and adds to the eeriness in both of your books is the settings. So can you chat about the writing of setting and how important of a factor it is in writing romantic suspense? I think that the setting is really important because it gives the reader a visual. Uh, I don't know how you all read books, but I read them and they run through my mind as a film. So I'm imagining in my mind how that story looks and the words on the paper really help me to create that world. So I think writing it for readers is pretty important. And so in Buy Your Christmas Disappearance, for example, you know, you have this really eerie setting, this swampy setting, this backdrop for these two people who are really trying to figure out what happened to this missing woman. So just describing those different scenes, the swamps, the the trees, you know, the foliage, I thought that was, you know, a huge part of it. Yeah, but I think it's perfect to just set the stage for what is expected to come with these characters. Yeah, I, I I totally agree with that. It, I think about a lot where I'm going to set these each of my books. Is the setting going to be real? Is it going to be, if I'm, am I going to make it up? You know, is the town going to be completely fictional? In Pursuit of the Truth, we were in primarily in Manhattan and Harlem. So that was real. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it, it, it gives you a very different sense of what's going on. These are two sophisticated people that live in the city. And if bad guys are going to chase them through the city, well, it's not going to be easy because there's there's always people on the street and how do you how are they going to do that and you know i have the character ducking into a a a restaurant slash bar which works getting pushed in front of moving taxis okay exactly (laughs) taxi and and missing at christmas we're in a small fictional new york town so it kind of starts off in in manhattan or talk it doesn't really start off in manhattan Uh, the characters are from manhattan but they're been placed in this small town and now they have to deal with this small town sheriff who kind of mm-hmm. runs things his way and not necessarily within the law all the time and you can speed down the highway because it's not as crowded as going down 95 <laughs> right and you can it, it's, it's believable that somebody could potentially shoot at them mm-hmm. on the highway and, and hit them and, no, and nobody else so mm-hmm. you, I, I think about that a lot like what can I do within the confines of the setting? And is this setting appropriate? Is it intriguing enough? Is it, or maybe I want to juxtapose the intrigue against, you know, the sweet setting. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I do yeah. think yeah. about, I do think about that quite a bit. <laughs> so does the story mm-hmm. idea come, like, you know, the missing at Christmas, we'll use that one as the example. Like, does that come and then you think, okay, this is going to work better in this small town than it's going to work in Manhattan. Is it like, yeah. did you think like when you were doing it? Yeah, yeah, the story. Or what the scenes that you wanted, yeah. That's definitely how I do it. The, the story comes first for me, and mm-hmm. then um, and the characters maybe sometimes come simultaneously, but they're usually not fully formed as, mm-hmm. as fully formed as the story. The story is usually the the very first thing, and then mm-hmm. everything else kind of serves serves that story. The, mm-hmm. Who the characters are, who, what jobs they have, where they came from. In Missing at Christmas, uh, Maya needed to know how to use a gun, but she lives in New York. I had to do a lot of research on like, what are the gun laws in New York? Would she have a gun? <laughs> if she had a gun, would it be? I'm sorry, but not Maya. Addie needed to know how to use a gun. If if um, if she had a gun, is she breaking the law? <laughs> I mean, that yeah. maybe maybe she is, but I need to know if she is and kind of make it make it possible, especially since she's a lawyer, make it believable sure. that she would she would break this law. Why would she? Yeah. Why would she do that? So yeah, I, I mean, it all comes from this is the plot, and these are kind of the big beats that I know I'm going to hit and what I'm going to need to happen and what sure. skills they're going to need to do have. And I know for Denise's book, there's just something about the Louisiana Bayou that's mysterious. Mm-hmm. You just say it and it doesn't matter. It's just mysterious. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. And, and you know what? I think with my cover, they captured yes. it perfectly. They've got yeah. that swap in the background. They've got that old mm -hmm. shack. And then these two, the models on the cover really fit the description of the characters, the intense look on their faces. You could just tell. And that's actually a very pivotal scene in the book that they represent on the cover, which mm -hmm. I love that they did that. So, but I agree with KD in that I come up with the plot mm -hmm. first and then everything else kind of falls into place. That plot tells you, should this take place in a big city or a small mm -hmm. town? Will I make that city up or town up or should I use something that's real? So it always kind of falls into place around that plot. And then again, the characters too, they kind of fall in line based on what that overall story will be mm -hmm. about. So did you, you came up with the plot and then you were like, oh, we're going to set this in Louisiana. Cause I feel like sometimes with the books that I read, cause I don't read a lot of books that I feel like are set in Louisiana. It almost reads as mm -hmm. though they, the writer had to say, I want to set a book here and then comes up with the story. So you came up with the plot first for this one and then the Bayou setting came afterwards? You know, I think it came at the same time. I knew I wanted a small mm -hmm. town. And then you think, I think I wanted that environment that would feel very mysterious, very eerie. And like Sarah said, I think that Bayou does bring that out in a plot. So in knowing someone is missing, think about thinking about all of the ideas on how we can have these characters looking to see if they can solve this case, seeing if they can find her. What better place to do that than mm -hmm. the Bayou? You know, I think it really adds that mysterious element. Do you find yourself falling down any strange rabbit holes while researching your books? <laughs> and if so, can you please share what they were? <laughs> I, I, I love research. So I always end up falling down rabbit holes. You know, when doing the, the gun research, I was, I was all over the place. Like, you know, what, what if she crosses this line? What if she carries this? What kind of gun should she carry? I needed to, to know, I, uh, I won't say why, because it'll give something away, but I also need to know a lot about how a woman in particular carries a gun versus a man, like the holsters that they can mm -hmm. use versus male holsters. So I did a lot of research. I knew, is it more comfortable to, you know, have a leather one? Than, a, than this guy, and is, is it is it possible to have one you know placed in this spot instead of this spot? So um, I did a lot of research on that, far more than I really needed <laughs> to do for the book. But that's that's pretty typical. I mean, one of the things I love about writing is that you come up with this idea and you're like, well, let's see if that will work, and you, you end up learning so much about so many things you'd never think about otherwise. Like KD said, we write about so much that we really don't know about. Uh, in Bayou Christmas Disappearance, my character who's gone missing is an environmental scientist, and she focuses on water sources and making sure there aren't any harmful elements in the water, especially in residential areas. What do I know about that? You know? <laughs> Like now, now Katie is a, a, re a cancer right. research specialist, you know, and specialist in New York. And, you know, now I'm an environmental scientist. So, but, you know, once you do that research, you learn so much. It's like, how much lead is in this water? How much chromium? And I'm, and people are like, I'm sorry, who are you? Yeah. Um, you know, that was a deep dive that I had to take on figuring out this woman's work and, mm -hmm. and how she goes about doing her job and how it's going to relate to the story. And also I'm sure Katie has done this too, but the uh -huh. forensic science is one that we go on because, you know, these characters are finding evidence and you want to be very specific in, hey, exactly how did they lift these fingerprints off of this item or how did they recover the blood or mm -hmm. a, a foot? So there's a lot of studying that goes into that as well. And the thing is, just like with the historical romance readers, we have readers who have, you know, served in the military, who may have served in law enforcement. They know their stuff. Mm -hmm. So they'll be looking for the accuracy as well. So we want to be as accurate as possible in what we're praying so that we won't embarrass ourselves. Yeah, you know? I worry about that so. a lot. <laughs> you know, say, saying it the wrong way, and especially with like the forensics, the police, um, mm -hmm. the police procedural portion or investigative portion, because there's so much you've already seen on TV and you kind of internalize and you think that's what is. And some of it, mm -hmm. I'm, I know, auto, you know, automatically isn't isn't right, especially on the police side, because I was a lawyer, but it's so prevalent in society that I'm like, well, can I, if I write it the right way, people are going to email me and tell me that's not right. Even no. though no. <laughs> it is. I'm right. the one that did the research, right? right? 
put out an yeah. editor who, uh, what was it? I said, um, oh, they, um, it was around the question of could a, when a police officer says to you, stay in town or don't leave town. She said, well, would, would your suspect really be able to leave town because he's a suspect? And I had a back and forth with her like, you know, the police can't actually tell you not to leave town. If you're not arrested, you're not arrested. Like, that's a fully made-believe, make-believe thing. But if you don't yeah. say it in the book, like if you, if your suspect just runs away, you're going to get, I, I've gotten the email like, well, I don't think the, sus- the police would have let the suspect leave. The police can't keep the suspect. There's like a difference between apprehension and custody. But there's, you know, so there's always, there's always a push pull between two, the research and knowing mm-hmm. what's right. And then what the expectations are. So you, yeah. you want to yeah. be accurate, but you don't want to be so accurate that <laughs> people are, people don't believe you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I uh, I know that a friend of mine's son, uh, when CSI was huge, like I am, I love C. I'm rewatching CSI. When it was huge, he decided to go to school to do that for. Right. Oh gosh. First day of class, he's in class, and the teacher looked at everyone and said, "This is not what you saw on television. You will not be carrying a gun. You will not be entering before the police. Right. <laughs> if you think you are, leave the class now. Like you know, being honest, this is not what you're. You're scientists. Yeah. You're not. You know, it's not what you see on television. You know, I'm, I'm doing a lot of research now for a, a, a book that I'm writing about the parole system, and it's so I'm like, I never knew any of this. Like, yeah, I, all, most of what I know about the parole system is from like law and order and this is nothing like what you know what i thought this part this character could be i have to really rethink this whole thing so in both missing at christmas and bayou christmas disappearance someone close to our protagonist is missing and we we love that because we were like we were reading both of them and we were like you actually get to know the person that's missing because you yes. see the main character suffering because they're trying to like find this person and we had never really picked up on that before. So can you both talk about any challenges with writing this element into the story and what you enjoyed about writing it? Well, in Bayou Christmas Disappearance, I think that with these books overall, one of the main challenges is trying to trick the reader. The readers are so smart and you do not want them to figure out your story in the beginning or middle of the book. You don't want them to figure it out until you reveal it and they're like, oh my God, I never saw that coming. So I think that's always the challenge, keeping the readers guessing. But then the part that is so enjoyable about that is you get to throw in all those different twists and turns. And I know for me, Katie probably experiences this too. As you're writing, things come to you like, oh, that would be a great thing to add. You know, you didn't plot it out before. You didn't put it in your proposals. It's like, well, the editor let me fly with this. And then of course you put it in the book and just take your chances. <laughs> but, but that's always a lot of fun. And you know what? And Katie, I want to know if you do this too. Sometimes I'll be writing, I'll get so beside myself and just flying through the story. And then when I go back and edit, I will have forgotten some of the things <laughs> okay. I put in it. So I'll read some of these twists like, oh my God, I could, did this really happen? I forgot that I wrote it. <laughs> so I love what happens. That lets me know you're doing yeah. something right. Because if you if you can surprise yourself and you're the one who wrote it, that means hopefully you'll yeah. surprise the readers too. So that's the fun part. The challenge is making sure you don't give away too much too soon. But the fun part is putting in those twists and turns to help that not happen. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I'm a I'm a um, extensive outliner, but then when I'm writing, I go off outline almost immediately. But what I remember <laughs> is outline because it's so extensive. So when I go back to revise, I'm like, oh, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. That's, that's not what I thought I'd done. I thought I was following the outline. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's, yeah. it's always a surprise. It's great when you realize, you know what? I thought that the bad guy was going to be this person, but it'd be so much better. Then you know, like if you if you didn't even realize yeah. <laughs> that this person was the bad yeah. guy, you know your reader yeah. is not going to know that the person was. The bad guy. And yeah. I'm not a guesser, and I think that's why these books are creepy. <laughs> and frustrating for me sometimes because I'm like I have no idea and I, I'm not even like trying to guess you know I'm just kind of going with right. the story and I'm right. like I'm mm-hmm. that person that like I think oh it's the sheriff it's got to be the sheriff he's got to be in on it and I kind of just yeah. z- like zone in on him and I'm like I'm just waiting on her to tell me it's the sheriff <laughs> and then when the reveal comes I'm like obviously it wasn't the sheriff because that's the <laughs> easiest target you know <laughs> 
but I'm one of those people. I want to know like, what's happening. I want to know. <laughs> I can never get in with you two. To find out who it is, though. So it's it can be real tough, especially readers who read a lot of intrigue because they know your tricks. So you have to really bury you know bury those red herrings and 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 uh, really work hard to try to get the get the ones that are determined. Figure it out <laughs> before, yeah. before you want them. But even. <laughs> But even with that, at the end of the day, the way I look at it, it's like any romance novel. You know on page one, these two characters meet and they're going to end up together. It's the journey. So even if yeah. I figured it out, it's still like, I want to know how they figure yeah. it out. You know what I mean? So that's part of the fun, too. That's the characters. That's <laughs> the characters being so compelling that you're like, I didn't yeah. know they're going to get together, but I love these two guys. I just want to bring you up. And I'm like, Brie, that I'm not a guesser. So I don't even yeah. like to try and guess who it is. I just want to drink in the story yeah. and just let the author tell the story how they want, and then it'll all come together. And I do the same thing like when I'm watching Dateline. Inherently, I'm that person that always yeah. thinks it's the husband. It's it is always, always the husband. <laughs> it's always the husband. So, and I'm always wrong, right? Well, well, not always, but you know, a lot of these stories, you just think you have it so figured out. Mm -hmm. And then as the story goes on, you're totally wrong. So I just sit back, let the author tell the story and mm -hmm. I just enjoy, just enjoy their, the story. Time. I'm a sure. guesser, but if, when you, if you really pull me into a story, I forget that I'm supposed, I'm trying to get, and that's you get to the end and I was like, oh, I, I could have picked that up, but I was so lost in this story. I didn't even try. I was just like, what's next? <laughs> That's the best. And the books were yeah. so, like, those two specifically were so emotional because it's somebody the protagonist knows. I just, I like, with Addie and her sister being gone, I just was like, man, she is getting so pissed. And there were times that Sean was making her mad because he didn't seem to care as yeah. much as she did. And I'm like, oh, God, this is, it's a lot. So, like, how can you talk about, I mean, does that make it? easier or chat a little bit more challenging when it's someone that's close to the person that we're following like the, it, the protagonist of the book it was kind of easier for me to to channel the emotions i would be feeling because i thought well what if my my brother lives in vegas and i live in toronto right so what if we were what if he went missing what would happen it would be hours before i could even get out there well first of all i would go out there immediately right but it would be hours before i would get out there he has this whole life that I, you know, I visit him, but I don't know. I don't know his life. It's not an everyday thing. I have to find. So I, I really kind of like, what would I do? And I was like, I, this world would burn. If I couldn't find my brother, you know, everybody is going to be in trouble. <laughs> so, it, so in that sense, it was easy to channel, but then it was also emotional because it's like, well, you know, I would call him and be like, how you doing? What's up? And he's like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What's going on? Because <laughs> that's all in my feelings. And he's like, you called me yesterday. Nothing has happened between today and yesterday. <laughs> I just got to hear your voice. <laughs> I want to make sure you're okay. I have everything in 24 hours. You could be gone. And he's like, you won't go. Yes. <laughs> you know? And Denise, yours are so emotional because you like really equip your heroines with they know what they're doing but you always put yeah. them with a hero that like gives them a hard time <laughs> isn't that what men do in real life though <laughs> so i think for my character it's her best friend that's missing but they're like sisters mm -hmm. And it is so emotional for her because, you know, they don't live in the same state anymore. My main character's in California. This woman who's gone missing, obviously, is in Louisiana. So like Katie was saying, she has to travel all that way. And, you know, the nerves that go along with that. And she's trying to figure everything out in her head. She doesn't like this woman's husband, Blake, who's a, you know, textbook narcissist. So there's so many things she's dealing with. She's so angry. Then she has to deal with the opposition from the lead detective who doesn't want her there. So she just has so many odds stacked against her. And then she's already emotional, you know, from the fact that, again, her best friend is missing. So all of those things put together kind of made for a really passionate, empowering uh, moment with her and this plot mm -hmm. to her determination to find this woman and hopefully figure out, you know, what's going on. With. So I feel like both of these books are so important right now because I mean I know in America we have the the Gabby case the young woman that went missing and there's yes there's young people like I hate to say coming up missing because that makes no sense but y'all know what I mean like all yeah. the time so yeah yeah, the, yeah they just feel very reading them I was like 
girl, you have got to be more careful. Like, I feel like sometimes I am really reckless, you know, and it's like, (laughs) they're so eerie because you can turn on the news any day and someone has literally gone missing. Right. Yeah. It's, it's more real life. Yeah. It has made me writing these books, watching true crime. It has made me so cautious. My mom was in the hospital recently and I was leaving at night and I saw a couple of strange men standing outside and it was dark. Do you all think I didn't call security Mm -hmm. and tell them to walk in the car? I mean, I'm just not taking any chances Mm -hmm. because we've seen too many cases where, you know, that does not end well. So if you have that moment of doubt and you think I should probably do this differently and not step out on my own, you have to follow that instinct because you'd rather do too much than not enough. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I do follow a lot of true crime in real life. There's some missing person cases that I just cannot shake. Phoenix Colden is one, this missing uh, African-American woman who, you know, I, I forget where she's from. Maybe um, I'm going to get this wrong. I want to say uh, St. Louis. But every day I'm practically looking up her case. Like, did they ever find her? You know, so it is something I'm passionate about. So writing about it and putting a realistic spin on it mm-hmm. is is good for me. And then hopefully adding little nuggets to maybe help keep yeah. people safe. Mm-hmm. Along the way, you know, I try yeah. and do that too. I grew up in Maryland where the Lion sisters were, it's a big case. The two sisters oh. who went, um, disappeared just before I was born, I think. And yeah. you, every 10 years or so you'd hear it, but you knew about it. And it, especially as a female growing up, you're be careful and walking home from school and be aware. And it was, it was, it was a big deal. Um, and even before yeah. that, mm-hmm. there, there's the, the Beltway killer who they never caught. Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, in the D.C. area, there's several stories like that that mm-hmm. you just don't. Mm-hmm. If you live there, if you grew up there, you know about and sort of ingrained in you to watch out and pay attention. And for me, growing up in Toronto, it was Paul Bernardo and his ex-wife. If you've heard that mm-hmm. story, that he abducted these two girls, they were they were we were the same age. Like if they had lived, they'd be my age now. And what he did, I mean, he's serving. He's never getting out of prison. But still, like when I was 15, I remember hearing about it and being terrified to walk home from school that you didn't know who was going to, you know, come up beside you. These books, I think they kind of, like you said, they teach you in a way, like just pay attention to what's going on around you. That's all. Don't live in fear per se, but pay attention. Yeah. Every time I see one of them white vans, I'm sorry to anybody out there that drives a white van. I tell my daughter, I'm like, you stay with your brother. You do not walk by yourself. Because then you have that. I mean, we live in Texas, so I'm like, I have that fear of, you know, would would I wind up dead or would I be picked up by freaking human traffickers and nobody ever be able to, you yeah. know, you just, you don't know. It's so yeah. scary. That really happens it really any, anywhere. Yeah. The, 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 the white panel van. I mean, yes. <laughs> yes. those poor vans, I think everybody is like, anybody driving a white panel van is suspect. <laughs> and it might be a sweet old lady, yeah. but it's like, oh, I don't know. Here they're um they're they're the vans that deliver Amazon. So you see them in the neighborhood all the time, and I'm like, okay, are you de- are you delivering me a package? <laughs> Something else we enjoy seeing in the type of is the type of careers your heroines have. In Missing at Christmas, Addie is an attorney, and in Christmas Data Breach, Maya conducts cancer research. In Bayou Christmas Disappearance, Mona is an investigative journalist. How do you both decide what professional background your heroines uh, will have? Yeah, I mean, that too is comes out of the story for me. Like what, what skills I need them to have to make the plot believable. Um, okay. And then I try, I try to find something that is not done all the time. <laughs> so the attorney I chose because I was attorney and I just wanted an attorney <laughs> for, for that one. But, uh, you know, cancer research, I feel like I'm sure there's some other characters in cancer research, but it's not so overdone that it's like oh another cancer mm. researcher <laughs> you know yeah. um, so that that was fun and and since the story was going to be about um research that was stolen it fit right in mm-hmm. okay so, mm-hmm. and it's mm-hmm. easier when um since i have in, uh, private investigators so i already have people who know uh, about the police procedural side and believably know about forensics and all of that stuff so i can be much more creative with the the females or the non uh, um, uh, investigative side and they can be pretty much anything that serves the story i agree with kd in that in uh, my first intrigue novel cold case true crime my character was a true crime blogger and then she just so happened to be covering her friend's case who has 
ended up being murdered and they're trying to figure out what happened with that case because it's gone cold and nobody seems interested in solving it. So with a job like that, she's not necessarily an official law enforcement officer, but as you all know, I love the idea of a woman stepping in and just figuring out a way to insert herself because she wants to help figure out what happened to my friend. So the same thing with Bayou Christmas Disappearances Woman is a well-known investigative journalist, and she's actually helped uh, law enforcement agencies around the country solve cases. So she's got that reputation. So again, the fact that she can go into this uh, department in Louisiana, she has a relationship with the sergeant. He remembers her from back in her interning days when she went to college there uh, in their newsroom. So, and, and he demands this detective let her in because she knows her stuff. I love that idea. Mm -hmm. And, you know, these detectives, they just have to deal with it. Mm -hmm. Us ladies, yeah. we know our stuff. So I think for me, finding a way, like Katie said, finding a way to make the heroine fit into the story mm -hmm. and get into the case is always an interesting way to figure out their occupation. I'm still waiting on, like, a fan fiction website for someone knows something. <laughs> Samantha's blog. Oh, yeah. That would be fun. I should start that. I would love that. Yeah. Um, can, do you find any challenges with writing romantic suspense set during the holidays? This is a subgenre where you're already balancing the suspense and the romance. So to add that third element, I think as readers, we have this expect expectations when we hear it's a holiday book. Do you guys find any challenges with that? I actually enjoy writing books. Well, I love holiday books, period. But I think, you know, holiday is about family. Mm -hmm. So to have these families suffering even more because it's around the holidays and they're looking for a missing person, or they're trying to get this case solved. It makes for an even more intense story mm -hmm. because as well, crime doesn't stop yeah. for the holidays. And then, you know, we've got these characters walking around town and they're, you know, Christmas decorations hanging up and there's Christmas music playing in the background. People are shopping. So in the midst of everyone else's joy, they've got this turmoil in trying to solve the case. So I think there's something really intriguing about that concept and then wrapping that up with it being family holiday and that suffering. I think there's a lot of passion and energy that can come from, from that within the storytelling. Um, adding the holiday adds a, a good kind of um, entry to, to intrigue because you have, you have people who are traveling, right? I always think about, I always think about how can you integrate it into the story to make it not just set in December, which is great, it's fine, but the holiday actually kind of coincide with the plot. And um, one thing about holidays is people are traveling around a lot. And so you can you can believably go missing <laughs> a lot more easily, right? If you're if you're mm -hmm. while you're traveling. Maybe you're on your way to visit your your family and then you disappear. And we don't know where you disappeared between Texas and Maryland, somewhere. And like already you have entries. <laughs> right yeah. already you have a, a, a basis for yeah. a plot mm -hmm. that's you know interesting and suspenseful and how are we going to find this this person so um i think it, it is a, it is a, an added layer but it could also be helpful as a writer to sort of and build a natu natural entering, natural suspense into the story. There is a lot of chaos around the holidays, right? All the hustle bustle, all the travel. So yeah, a lot of things can get, you know, caught up in the mix. There's something to go right. wrong. I mean, you don't think about mm -hmm. it that way when you're traveling, but yeah. it's very easy for, you know, your car breaks down as you're driving and you're in this spooky or uh, woods area. That's mm -hmm. not great. Or you get off the highway because the highway is backed up, you know, a perfectly normal thing. But in, in a mystery or in an intrigue, that's obviously going to be mm -hmm. a problem for you. Yeah, when I was reading him, I was like, well... We get the sweet holiday romances, which are great. But then you read books like this that remind you, this is also probably a really dangerous time because people kind of let their guard down. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and live a little yeah. reckless. Exactly. And things happen. You knock on your door around Christmas time, delivering packages, right? And you just oh, it looks like a FedEx man. Right. If it, if it's yeah. in brown, or you know, you think that must be the UPS man, mm -hmm. yeah. and you open the door, and yeah. now you yeah. can't even really tell with the trucks so much anymore. Like as you said, there are a lot of contractors, so we we tend to open our doors mm -hmm. because we've ordered something. We're expecting lots. Can you both talk about the ever-evolving world of technology and how this affects romantic suspense writing? Does it make things easier or trickier? 
I think it's trickier because we're always trying to stay up on all the cutting edge technology. We want to put everything that's the latest and the greatest in our books. So, and then along with that, of course, comes all the technical research and learning that we need to do because we've got to figure it out so that we can explain it properly, but then explain it in a way that readers won't feel like they're reading a science book, you know? So that's always a challenge reading it, understanding it, and then breaking it down and fitting it into your own style of writing. But yeah, it's always moving. There's always something new. So that's why I I think, you know, Katie and I both do enjoy doing the research. We have to, because if we, if we didn't, we'd just be making stuff up and, you know, drop us like you all are not (laughs) writing good books. So we're done with it. We don't want that. So yeah. Yeah. It is definitely harder. Because, you know, I think I think about, oh, well, this character is going to be walking down the street and this bad guy is going to follow her and grab her and nobody's going to see. And maybe nobody's on the street, but what street are you on where there are not a thousand cameras, right? So how do I get around the fact that, that somebody's camera clutter? them walking down the street. Yeah. How, how did he get into her house? Most people have uh, alarm systems now. How, mm-hmm. if, the, if she's missing, does she have her phone? What happened to the phone? You know, mm-hmm. the police at the very least can tell you where the phone was cut off with the GPS. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all of these mm-hmm. things is sort of like, I, you know, it's, it's harder to, to be totally gone, right? Yes. Harder mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have a character now who's, um, that I'm thinking about who's a con person, a con man. And I'm like, how can I make this con man a real con man? Because it, it's almost impossible. To be a con man these days. Right? It's like, <laughs> disappear, right? And yeah. nobody has seen him and nobody knows who he are. And he, he said his name was John, but he's, you know, nobody did a background check. <laughs> you know, where did he live? Because mm-hmm. your apartment is going to do a background check on you. You know, mm-hmm. he had a job. They didn't do a background check. It's, it's like, how do I make that believable? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, it's a lot harder to do now, you know, mm-hmm. and especially when you're writing um, in my upcoming Harlequin, I have a kid. So I was like, yeah, he has his phone everywhere. <laughs> I was like, there's no way. You, yeah. have- kids are the first ones to whip it out and record. Right. Videos, so, so. <laughs> why, didn't he, why didn't he take this, you know, why didn't he take photographs or video or his mom says she can't find him. Like, everyone yeah. can ping the gps now it's just mm-hmm. like i don't know what to do with this kid because he can't disappear <laughs> yeah <laughs> so let's talk books are there any books that you have read this year that you think us and our listeners should check out well i when we were off the recording i've always already ranted and raved about katie's book missing at christmas i you know i Katie, I'm going to put my review up soon. I'm going to put my review up soon, but it is just, Katie is such an amazing author. Mm-hmm. Her book is wonderful. And I'm not just saying that because she's here, but no, she's amazing. So, and I'm, I'm so excited to be uh, writing for the Intrigue line with Katie. Seriously, we connect all the time yes. on social media. So it's nice to finally connect here too. So a couple of other Harlequin authors. I love uh, Jacqueline Thomas's A Family for the yeah. Firefighter. That was, you know, Jackie's an amazing author and that was a beautiful book. And then Reese Ryan, uh, Just a yes. Little Mary's oh, Hilarious, you know. So great. <laughs> amazing so yeah i'm I'm a big fan of denise as well so if you have not picked up her one harlequin out now i'm lucky enough that i also have uh my christmas Uh, but if you get it it'll be out november 30th so i'm I'm excited about that coming out but um yeah i would say um Jade Sola James um, is, is, yes. is, has a presents out. She is amazing. I actually had connected with her before she sold that book to, to, to present and read it um, in, a, in a draft form. And I was like, this is, everyone's going to love it. <laughs> like, you're going to sell yes. it so easily. The meat cute in that one. I'm like, she's not doing this. Yep. She is doing this. So <laughs> I love those moments. Reese, anything by Reese Bryan is amazing. I love mm-hmm. all her books. I've read so many. They're mm-hmm. great. Um, so you should definitely pick those. Pick those. Yeah. Just a Little Married was hilarious. Writers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I just say I love Jadisola? I mean, I adore her mm-hmm. beyond being an amazing author. She is just an yeah. amazing person. Right. I saw her in her DMs. She's probably sick of me, <laughs> and I, I really don't really care. <laughs> wonderful. She is someone I, I've been able to yeah. call a friend to, and I, I absolutely adore her just as beyond an author, just as yeah. a person. She is just such she a beautiful is. woman. She's so, so I just sweet and so giving. Mm-hmm. She's one of my critique partners, and I'll call her and be like, can you read this? I always have like, 
three weeks. She's probably at home knitting because we know she's a knitter and she's like reading the, the critique. <laughs> yeah. and she, she comes through whenever she can. She's, she's wonderful. Yeah. yeah. So can you both talk about what you have coming up next? So you all know Bayou Christmas Disappearance mm-hmm. will be out November 30th. Harlequin releases it November 1st and then all other retailers November 30th. Uh, Christmas in Full Bloom is out now. And then I'll be releasing the third installment of my Fearless Fairy Tale series. Um, she gets a happy ending in March. And just to give you a little bit of a spoiler alert, that is a holiday book. So my characters in the book are filming a Christmas movie. So and there's there's a lot of drama and tension in that book, though. So I really I enjoyed that one. And then my next entry will be out uh, in June of next year. It's called The Heart Shaped Murders. And it's book one in a series called A Love Family Mystery. And it's about a serial killer. I'm really excited about about that. I don't know how either one of you sleep at night. I just don't know. <laughs> barely breathe. I'm so paranoid. I barely you know, go to sleep to true crime. The yeah. line is on the ground when I'm going to bed. So I'm so paranoid. So yeah. With I, one I don't watch open. the crime shows <laughs> after a certain time for that very reason. I already have nightmares. So I don't need to add, add to them. I have um, the fourth book in the West series coming up. uh, It's slated right now for July, but that could change. And then I'm working on, I'm getting started on the fifth book in the West series and proposing a few more. So some ideas for a few more in the the West series. Well, if you're an editor at Intrigue and you're listening, just just pick up whatever they send to you. (laughs) Just check it. Just say yes. Add to the cart. That's right. <laughs> Share with everyone where they can find you online. KDRichardsBooks.com for my newsletter. And um, I'm primarily Instagram girl. I love I love Instagram. So KD Richards Author on Instagram. Okay. And Facebook if you like Facebook. But <laughs> so I'm on Instagram as well. I'm Denise underscore Wheatley underscore writer. That's Instagram. Uh, Denise Wheatley on Twitter. And then I have a book blog where you can find me on, on all other platforms. That's uh, www.denisenwheatley.com. I mean, are you going to plug the TikTok or no? <laughs> oh, I love it. I'm also Denise underscore Wheatley underscore writer on TikTok. So, I'm a fan. So I'm. I just had to, I just said that. Thank, thank you, Brie. Do not tell anybody I'm over there. Don't tell anybody I'm over there dancing on TikTok, please. I swear I will never do that. Yet here I am. I, like I think you're 20s. killing it, okay? Don't get what stuff. is age? The age oh. is, what is age? Don't worry about it. You can get on there and dance <laughs> yeah, and exactly. talk about books all that you want. We're rooting for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much to the both of you for sharing your time with us and coming and talking Christmas and intrigue. This has been such an honor. Like we said, we have been counting down the days. We have been so excited for this. So thank you so much again. We are just a huge fan of y'all's and we can't wait for whatever else you put out. As eerie as it may be. (laughs) And it's going to be eerie, but thank you having us you all know i love you i'll come back anytime i'm so happy to have been here with you and with kd this has been fantastic so thank, thank you, you for having it's been me. so much fun thank you. Thank, thank you for having me i really enjoyed talking to you girls <laughs> it's always a blast thank you well listeners check yep. the show notes we will have links to where you can keep up with katie richards and denise and wheatley and sarah and i will chat with you in our next episode have a lovely day everybody